to a Hope 103.2 podcast. As followers of Jesus, in whom all things were made, we acknowledge the Darug people as the traditional custodians of the country of where this podcast is recorded. We acknowledge their continuing connection to the land and waters and thank them for protecting this land and its ecosystems since time immemorial. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and future and we extend that respect to all First Nations peoples listening today. Hope Book Club with Georgia and Simone because life's just better with a book. Hi, I'm Georgia. And I'm Simone. And welcome to episode 660 of the Hope Book Club podcast, where we chat about books from a hope-filled Christian lens. And in honour of International Youth Day and Children's Book Week this month, we're going to turn back some time to the teen years as we talk about all things YA, young adult, in this episode. So that trip in time is a little longer (laughs) for some of us than others here, but books, YA books, are often the subject of a lot of myths out there. And so first up, before we get into our favourite YA book, I want to bust some myths. Are you ready, Georgia? You ready? We're going to play guess, true or myth? (sighs) Okay. I think I'm ready. First one. YA is a genre all on its own. Why did you start with the hardest one? <laughs> I actually don't know. Okay. I want to go through my thought processes. Books, like adult books, will have all different genres. So it makes sense to me that there's young adult versions of all of those genres. But sometimes we just talk about YA as YA books, YA books. I know. I'm going to go with my gut and say that is a myth. You ready to lock that in? Yes. You're locking that? Yeah, true. Oh, no. Okay. It Zero is, no, from one. It, it, no, it's a myth because, oh. <laughs> as in, sorry, true, your answer is true. Correct. So it is a, yeah, it's a myth. Like YA is just young adult books that includes fantasy, drama, like all the different kind okay. of genres that there are. Good. I'm vindicated. Okay. Number two, it's for teens. Well, yes, it is for teens, but it's not only for teens. True. It is true. However, like you said, it's for all ages. Yes, I love YA books. It is technically, YA is technically, it's for, it's teens or sort of, I guess, young adults as in children. I would say personally like 10 to like 18 would be the teen okay. range. Yep. But I, I think everyone pre-teens. has different, yeah, that, that kind of pre-teens, teens. So question three, YA books don't contain any substance and the <laughs> writing is worse than adult novels. Um, no, that's a myth. <laughs> that, was, that was very insulting. My goodness. Did you come up with these sentences, Simone? No. Sadly, no. Okay. No, this, no, that's definitely a myth. This is often a myth that is set out there and it's annoying. I think it's the same kind of myth as women's literature is not as deep or as of substance. And mm. that, again, is also a myth. Okay. Second last question. YA started in the 1940s and 50s but blossomed in the 1960s. Okay, I have no idea about this one, so I'm going to take a complete stab in the dark um, and say 1940s and 50s. It seems very specific, so I'm going to say it, that's true. That's when YA started. It's true. Yay! Yeah, absolutely. Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys were the ones that really helped pave the way for what is YA today. The only Hardy Boys references I know are from Only Murders in the Building, that TV <laughs> show. 
So maybe I need to go back and read the actual books. That's gold. I Yeah, I definitely re- read more Nancy Drew. <laughs> Final question. People who read YA books can't handle adult books. <laughs> no, that's a myth. Although it might be true in the sense that I think some of the YA books I've read are more intense than adult <laughs> fiction. So if we're going that route, but no, uh, YA books can be just as intense, if not more. Yep. than a lot of the fiction out there. And just because you read, even as an adult, just read YA books does not mean that you can't handle adult books as well. I do think there are some kids out there reading YA and they're not at the level yet yeah. to handle it. But, yeah, that's basically a myth. Okay, Sim, both you and I uh, already been established that we are fans of YA books. We have some pretty clear favourites. So let's get into our personal top tier YA books or series. Sim, let's start with yours. What is your favourite YA book or series of all time? I'm going to start off with some quick... Honourable mentions. Honourable yeah. mentions because how do you choose like an absolute favourite? Okay. Uh, so big honourable mentions are the last sort of, what, 20 years. Hunger Games and Harry Potter were big ones for me. Absolutely loved them. Really got into those ones. Um, and I grew up on Nancy Drew and the Babysitter's Club. Oh, those two are kind of honourable mentions, but I am gonna I am gonna choose a series that defined my childhood, my teen years, my adult years, like everything. Mm-hmm. And that is the Chronicles of Narnia series. With a big shout out to my absolute top tier in that, which is the Magician's nephew. I was gonna say you absolutely love that. And throw back <laughs> to our earlier episode when we were discussing film adaptations, and you desperately want the Magician's nephew to be made into a movie. I think, guess you've already explained why you love it, but why specifically do you love this series? What was it that that stood out to you? I think the thing that stands out massively, it's a series that has incredible fantasy scenes and it's it's total fantasy, but it's kind of this fantasy that you get to step into Mm -hmm. as well. It's this fantasy that exists within our world. I I kind of love that. And then added to that is the way that C.S. Lewis writes it is so specific and so well written that you can really not just see yourself there, but feel yourself there. And as a child, I loved that Mm. especially. And then as I got older, you start reading the layers that are in that of just how powerful that, that series can be and just how incredible it is to see something that has this entire world within our world that also just shows you, even when it's difficult, the way that you can still kind of persevere through. Mm. I, yeah, I think you've already spoken about the the themes, the important mm. themes. But what was unique about the book? When you compare it across to, you know, even classics like Harry Potter and Hunger Games, like you mentioned before, why does the Chronicles of Narnia stand out the most to you? For me, it was that that first time it was this magical world within our world mm. that you could kind of cross over into the, the, this place that still existed or seemed to exist. It wasn't a fantasy magic world that was either a million light years away <laughs> <laughs> or ran parallel to our world. It was actually within our mm. world. And then I think for the magician's nephew quite specifically, he literally created a world. It wasn't just he was creating a world for us to be in, but you actually read about the world being 
created. I don't know if I can explain that really well, but The Magician's Nephew basically is about the creation of Narnia Mm. and how that place came to be. So I think that's what's unique. You don't often get to actually see the world be created. Yeah, it's already created by the time you read the book normally. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're having it created in your mind, but the author's already has that world. Mm. Who would you recommend this book to? Obviously you said you, <laughs> from any age, zero to 99 <laughs> is what you're going to say. <laughs> Look, Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe was read to me when I was in year two. It was um, <laughs> something that was read to me, but I don't, it's one of those things where you can have it read to you. You're not necessarily reading it yourself when you're quite younger. I do think reading it for yourself, maybe nine or ten mm-hmm. up. I do think there are some some difficult things in there and some things that you'd probably want to talk to your family or your parents about. But honestly, any age. I 100%, if you've never read it, even if you don't love fantasy or sci-fi or anything like that, I do think this is one of those ones that you can delve into. Or if you've seen the adaptations and you're like, ah, I've seen what happened. I don't need to read the books. Absolutely not. It is still (laughs) definitely worth reading. All right. Who or what would be on the ideal soundtrack for this book? That, this is the hardest question. (laughs) Absolutely. I love music. I love soundtracks. They are like, oh, love them. For this one, obviously, a lot of soundtracks already exist because Nani has been made into a lot of films. Mm. There's some great ones out there. But I think for especially The Magician's Nephew, which hasn't been made, and I'm just going to say shout out to Greta Gerwig, who is making the Narnia series soon. If you want to take any advice, here's what I think. Greta, if you're listening, we love you. <laughs> Absolutely love you. Um, happy to come come on stuff and help. Uh, <laughs> I think Magician's Nephew needs something just um, a little indie, a little synthy, old school two-door cinema club kind of vibes. There's something something a little magical about mm. it while still being grounded in that very kind of indie world, like this world kind of thing. Hans Zimmer, like you'll yep. always, always go the absolute master if you can. For sure. Got to ask Georgia, now that I've rambled about my favourite... <laughs> What's yours? Oh, uh, it's um. I think clear at this point how much we have the same mind. We go away and write <laughs> our own notes, and I realize how similar this is because I also have honorable mentions. And would you believe it? Those honorable mentions are also Harry Potter and the Hunger Games. Uh, Harry Potter raised me as a child. Hunger Games raised me as a teenager. Um, the Maze Runner also up there. Loved that series. But I wanted to talk about something that doesn't get a whole lot of love, and it was one of my favorite series as a teen and that is the Inkheart trilogy by Cornelia Funk and I brought the book because it is the thickest book that I own up until this point even the bible isn't that as thick as this book it's 1146 pages it is all three books um in one so it's not just like you're not just reading one book That is the Inkheart series and the story follows 12-year-old Maggie who learns that her bookbinder father, Mo, actually has a special gift. When he reads aloud to her, he actually brings characters to life, like from the book into the real world. Now, when Maggie was three, Mo read aloud from a book called Inkheart, which brought the evil characters from that novel into the world, including the villainous Capricorn. But this power came with a price and as a trade, Maggie's mother 
had to go into the book instead. So she's been missing, quote, missing for nine years. So now Maggie and Mo must fight to stop Capricorn, stop the villains and rescue Maggie's mum from her fate. That sounds awesome. It is so good. I love this book so much. It was a present from my friend for my 12th birthday and I read it. It took me eight weeks to read the entire trilogy all over the Christmas holidays at the end of year seven. Brilliant. Best eight weeks of my life. <laughs> I was going to say, that, that's the kind of birthday present you want, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Christmas. So I've got to ask, you sort of talked a little bit about why you love the book. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else, like any other reasons that you just love it? I am not a big fantasy person. My first fantasy books that I read were probably actually The Chronicles of Narnia, which I loved. Harry Potter, I didn't love. It it was a different kind of fantasy. So here we're talking more like Lord of the Rings kind of vibes, right? I was completely engrossed in this book. Um, And normally fantasy doesn't grab me. The, The characters, the scenes, I find it all just too descriptive and too much. It's like you get me to the good parts. Too much is happening. But this world that Maggie and Mo found themselves in was just completely engrossing to me. I think also Cornelia Funk, the author herself, is actually German. So this uh, this is a translated copy. So I think it was different than a lot of the other fantasy books that I'd read by English authors. I don't know if that came across just simply in the translation. It was different than other books I was used to. It didn't have a naturally kind of happy ending. It dealt with a lot of difficult themes. And when I was 12, I wasn't used to books that weren't wrapped up nicely in a little bow. So I think that was also intriguing to me. Maggie being 12, very similar age to when I read it. I saw myself a lot in her. And also I must say that book itself was a love letter to books. In total, there are 57 books and their characters, actual books and their characters mentioned within Inkheart. I loved it. It was amazing. That's more than a year's worth of like a a book a week Mm -hmm. to go and like (laughs) read the book list that comes from the book. I actually did find the book list. You can find it on Goodreads, the 57 books that are mentioned within Inkheart. It's there. (laughs) That's fantastic. It's like a book that gets people to read more books. Yeah. What was sort of unique about the book? You've spoken about a few things already, but... I think similar to um, The Magician's Nephew, what you really liked about that, that it was fantasy kind of embedded within the real world. That was very similar to this book. You had fantasy characters coming into the real world. You had real characters being transferred into a book and they kind of kept swapping over. So you have this real, for want of a better word, cultural difference between (laughs) book worlds and the real world. You had the main characters swapping all the time. It was very meta as well. You have characters from a book called Inkheart coming to life in a book called Inkheart. So it's quite confusing and I, it's kind of like Christopher Nolan Inception in, in, in a way. The fantasy, it wasn't necessarily, like I said, it wasn't a happy ending. It continued to surprise me. It wasn't sad. It wasn't sad by any means. It was interesting and it didn't go how I expected it to go and I think that's why it stuck with me for all these years. What do you think the themes that are the most important in this book are and that kind of show? I think the themes of family are the ones that stick out the most to me. The fact that this entire thing was about, you know, rescuing Maggie's mum and Mo's wife. But also it's just a reminder that reading can be magical. I think we all got books read to us as a child and I had, you know, not had books read to me by the time I was 12. So to read it, to see that through 
the art of reading to his child, Mo was quite literally able to bring characters to life. It was kind of just a really nice metaphor of if you do this, like you can create really magical worlds for, for your kids. So I thought that was really important, just kind of honing in on the real importance of, of reading and also being read to. But I think also the twists and turns of the book made me realise that sometimes we can do everything right and do what we believe is the right thing to do in the moment and you're fighting evil and doing good and still sometimes it will not work out how you want. We have to make compromises and sacrifice things. That was a hard lesson to learn at 12. I'm like, mm, I, I'm not sure about this. I kind of just want everything to be great and they all lived happily ever after. And I'm not saying that's not what happens at the end, but there are things that are lost along the way and there are sacrifices that need to be made. And I think that's a really important lesson to be learning as a, you know, when you're kind of on the cusp of adulthood and teenage years and going into some hard stuff. Yeah, I agree. And that's sort of one of the things I loved about Narnia too, is that that was that, that those moments of having to choose sometimes to do the right thing, which is not always easy, mm -hmm. um, which again, you know, at that age, it's such a good time to be learning these things and seeing them reflected in the things that you're reading. Mm -hmm. Who would you recommend this book to? I think because of the hard themes and also the the length of this book, it is and it's not small. It's not big writing on that page either. It's very small writing. Um, I would say from the age of about eleven or twelve up, I was um, I I read a bit early for my years, and even when I was twelve, I kind of struggled with some of the content. Just uh, I I think probably a fair bit of it went over my head. The prime age would be probably thirteen, fourteen, but really from age of eleven to any age, and adults can read this book too for sure. <laughs> Always. Dream soundtrack. What would it be for you? Okay. Like I said before, I think I'm going to have to stick with the Lord of the Rings because that's what, when I read this book, that's what it reminded me of. So I'm thinking a little bit acoustic-y vibes. Um, it reminded me of Ed Sheeran's song on the Lord of the Rings, whatever that song was called. I can't remember now. Um, a bit of Ed Sheeran. Yes, thank you. Uh, Mumford and Sons, Noah Khan, so that kind of acoustic vibe. But also I did actually have in my notes as well, I'm not just copying you, Hans Zimmer would do a fantastic job with like those epic battle scenes. Um, you have to have the king of movie soundtracks in there. Right? He's the absolute <laughs> master. Like why would you not choose him? Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you are also inspired to think of some of your favourite YA reads and we'd love for you to be a part of our community as well. If this is your first time listening, you can join the Hope Book Club Facebook group for more conversation. Uh, there's a lot of lively members in there and also to find out what book we'll be reviewing next. We'd also love this podcast to reach more people and the way you can help with that is to rate, review, subscribe and share it with your friends. Until then, stay reading. We'll catch you next time. And Sim, I believe you've got a quote. Yes. Yeah, so from Maya Angelou, when I look back, I'm so impressed again with the life-giving power of literature. If I were a young person today trying to gain a sense of myself in the world, I would do it again by reading, just as I did when I was young. I love that. I, I wholeheartedly agree with her. Me too. Three, two. Thanks for listening.